Welcome to Greater Than Code, episode 249. I'm John Sowers, and I'm here with Mando Escamilla. Thanks, John. Hi, and I'm here with my friend, Mandy Moore. Hey, and I'm here with our guest, Chad Stewart. As a software engineer and esports athlete with many years of experience in both fields, Chad dives deep into issues that he comes across and drills down to the core of a problem and finds solutions others may miss, letting the lessons of the journey guide future expeditions into the unknown. If you're confused at comparing esports to software engineering, you'd be surprised how similar they are. Welcome, Chad. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I never imagined writing that and it being those literally being the thing that's introduced to introduces me on a podcast. Wow. Like, I'm sorry. I'm a little mesmerized. <laughs> I really do want to ask about how we compare esports to software engineering. But before we do that, we have to ask our standard greater than code question that we ask all of our guests which is what is your superpower and how did you acquire it? So funny enough, I, I watched, uh, I listened to a few episodes before coming on and I wanted to kind of tell a silly joke, but I guess that kind of segues into what my superpower is, I guess, is I, I make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Like that's just something I like doing. It's like a big thing for me. And I guess I acquired it by watching Cartoon Network way too early in my life. <laughs> And just being, you know, I, I don't know. I just enjoy making people laugh, you know. I, I enjoy making myself laugh. And I guess, you know, it's just fun, you know. Like, to be honest, that's what I kind of do on Twitter all day. Just make people laugh. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great coping mechanism, especially these days. I find myself doing the same thing, trying to make light of situations so things don't seem as dark. <laughs> You know, years ago, a friend of mine, like, it wasn't exactly a criticism, but he's like, man, you, you'll laugh at any joke. And I'm like, oh, that's the option. I can either laugh more or I can laugh less and I choose more. Yeah, I always say I'd rather laugh than cry about it. I completely agree. You know, there's so much, like, sadness in the world at the moment. You know, we've been in this pandemic for for an extended period of time now. And, like, you know, there's been... People who've lost, you know, family members and friends, you know, people who've lost livelihoods, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, comedy is not necessarily going to fix all of that, but at the very least, it makes it easier to deal with those problems, you know? And, you know, we were all hoping that we were going to come out of that this year, and it feels like that's not even going to happen, you know? Like, there is some level of normalcy, but... I mean, long story short, you know, like, definitely just, I'd much rather see people smiling and having a, a good time. And if I can, if I can add more of that to the, you know, into the world, then, you know, great. You know, just trying to make people laugh. And it's, it's, it's fun. You know, it's good for you. It's physically good for you. You know, so yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So I know that I reached out to you to come on the show because I wanted to talk to you specifically about, I think it's something you started around the beginning of the whole pandemic situation, the tech is hiring hashtag. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Ah, yes. So um, tech is hiring is a hashtag that is specifically for job seekers and people who are, are looking for 
for candidates for their jobs. And what I noticed is, you know, people would post their jobs or post that they're looking for a job on Twitter. And depending on how strong their network is, you know, it would get a lot of traction or not so much traction at all. And so I was thinking, you know, there's people out there who are maybe looking for work. And to be fair, it kind of started mostly from that in the first place. More people are looking for an opportunity and posting about it on Twitter. And if their network isn't very strong or for whatever reason, the tweet doesn't get a lot of traction, then it, it, may, it may potentially become difficult for them. And so... You know, I started uh, the hashtag so that I could, if I, if I saw a tweet like that, I could add it to the hashtag. If you, you know, if you have a job tweet that you're looking for somebody to fill this position, you know, I just go out and ask if I could add it to the hashtag. And if you say yes, you know, I just tag it with tech is hiring. And obviously the same for if somebody's looking for an opportunity. And you know, it's been, it's been fairly successful, you know, like within the last couple of, of weeks, there have been a lot more usage of it. Like I don't necessarily have great ways of coming up with data on obviously how, if people are really benefiting from it outside of, you know, me maybe probing to see, but like for the most part, I, I have the Twitter bot that I created for the hashtag. I have that notification alerts like for that and my phone it's probably actually yeah it's like my my phone goes off all the time you know with notifications and i'm just like hey at least people are using it (laughs) you know and people are retweeting it so yeah like i'm pretty happy about that there's a few things i'd like to do to kind of expand it but i'm definitely happy with where it is right now so were you saying that like, the need you saw was that like people are posting about like that they're looking for a job, but maybe their network isn't particularly good or they're not getting a lot of reach out of that. And so like they're not like they're not really getting the benefit of all of Twitter, you know, being being available to them. So you, you wanted to sort of create this way to amplify those tiny voices that are saying, hey, I'm, I, I need a job. Yes, yes, yes. Like, to be fair, the tech is hiring. Well, I wouldn't say it, it's growing but like ultimately what i want it to be is pretty much the thing that people can rely on you know what i mean so in essence i want to build the network for tech is hiring you know so i go and look out for like jobs and for people who who are looking for for jobs i will actively go and search for them on twitter and initially this was to to add to the hashtag because obviously the hashtag didn't have too much when I started it and it's just become a habit of mine and there are definitely some people who are looking who they're when by the time I get come across their tweet which may be even a week after they've they've done it they've maybe had two or three or so retweets and, and likes you know, and I was like, hey, I can, if I had, if I add this to the hashtag, maybe at the very least people will see it. And like my network is decent, you know, it's not the best, you know, I'm not like super Twitter famous, but like I have a fair amount of people that follow me. And so what I do when I'm asking is I always make sure to like and retweet whatever I find and ask. So at the very least, other people on my network could see it. And so 
even if they don't reply. And to be fair, some people don't reply for whatever reason. Maybe they never see it or whatever. But even if they don't reply, they're getting some, you know, like at least some people are seeing it potentially. And I even uh, uh, a lot more now, I will retweet like some people's job postings or some people's, you know, looking for job tweets and people will retweet it themselves, you know? And so I- I'm just trying to, I guess, be that bridge or I-, I guess middleman. I don't know. I can't come up with a better term, but I'm just trying to be that person that helps. Because it's like everybody's kind of been there, you know, like you're, you're, you're looking for a job and you're doing your absolute best and you're just kind of, you know, you're kind of stuck with whatever information you have, you know, information or, or resources you have. And it's like, if I, if I can make this thing so that people can kind of latch onto it and use that, then maybe a lot more people can get in contact with somebody who can offer them an opportunity. But yeah, that's pretty much it. That's awesome. I used to do use the greater than code account to do, you know, a lot of that amplify, you know, the voices of others. And I used to be like, you know, on Mondays, I would go and fill like a buffer queue of just content that I found on the internet that I could retweet others. And ever since my daughter, like got, quote unquote, laid off school that's been a little more difficult but i'm hoping that in the near future i can start that up again and and kind of do the same thing with the greater than code hashtag so yeah but what you're doing it's it's not easy work and it takes time to sit there and look and curate and put all that stuff together and then yeah amplify it out and get people to notice it and engage with posts and it's hard work so Thank you for for trying to be that bridge and and trying to you know use your network for good. I just I think that was awesome and part of the reason I wanted to get you on the show because I've seen you've been doing it for a really long time and you, you keep up with it and that's amazing. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah, like there's a few things that I want to do. Like I would like to reach out to more employers. And just, and it's, it's just always an awareness thing, you know, like is I just definitely like to reach out to more employers and be like, Hey, you know, there are candidates, you know, here who are tweeting on Twitter and they're in this hashtag, you know, you can look, look through that. Like I kind of do it, but I do it like, so I, I was thinking about it the other day. And to be honest, I actually did this way before I actually officially started the hashtag. When I first got on Twitter, or at least when I first got on tech Twitter, what I would do is, you know, I'd be doing the Twitter thing and just kind of, oh, this, this person's interesting. So I'd make a reply and, you know, have maybe a small conversation. And then I would see somebody's like, hey, I'm looking for work. And it's like, hey, I passed a thread that's looking at, that's talking about all of these jobs. So I just link it to them, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, you know, hopefully, hopefully they, they, they'll get something out of it. And I, you know, I just did that. Like, that was just something that just came to be naturally, you know, like sometimes I'll, I'll be on Reddit and they'll be like, oh, you know, there were some job posts here. I'll, I'll just link it to this person. They're looking for something, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I guess it makes sense that I end up making a hashtag to do that in a more official capacity as opposed to, you know, one off. But 
yeah, like I, what I definitely want to do is just to reach out to more people or to more people actually who have positions. And I probably should reach out directly to the people who I'm retweeting who is saying that they're, they're looking for people and like link people, especially people who I've already retweeted and be like, hey, you know, there's a candidate here. And it's just just stuff like that. Like that's something I want to do. There are a few organizations that like talk about jobs on Twitter a lot, and I want to reach out to them uh, and, and just kind of ask them if they could if they could use the hashtag. Like I tend not to like I tend not to mess with them too much because you know like they're they're actually they're out trying to make money and so on and so forth, and it feels kind of weird, you know. Like I don't want to. I don't want to like retweet their stuff. I don't know what their marketing plan was, but I just want to kind of reach out to them and, and be like, Hey, you know, I, I'm doing this thing. And I definitely want, because I don't have any numbers on who benefits from the hashtag, you know, it's a in hopes of type thing. So I just kind of want to be a little bit more direct with hey employers there's actually people here you know that you can look at so that's pretty much the direction that i'm i'm, I'm hoping to, to to go in while obviously also actually adding opportunities and people who are looking for opportunities but hopefully you know people start doing it on their own which is like the ultimate goal is that i don't have to curate it myself because everybody understands that it exists you know, but you know, for now, I, I don't mind doing that work. So I love the fact that you're a connector in that sense. That's what I kind of consider myself and what I would do before actually being a host slash panelist on the show. Like, I'd be like, you should really hook up with this person and talk about this thing because do you know this person? And then I've had so many people come back from conversations with all the people that I've, you know, hooked up on podcasts and they're like, so-and-so is like my new best internet friend now. Like, thank you so much for introducing <laughs> us. And like, I can just, I love being able to like take people and being like, you like this, you like this. Do you two know each other? And kind of like forging relationships like that. It's like one of my, that's one of my greatest superpowers I feel. So it's kind of seems like you're in the same boat, which is really cool. Yeah, I would definitely say that like, I've been doing that for some time, more in an unofficial capacity. You know, it's more like, oh, you know, this person has, you know, this person needs something. I know somebody who can help with that, you know. And so I go, hey, you know, this person needs so-and-so. And I just kind of bring them together. I haven't been doing it too much late. Well, I guess I have because of the, because of the, the hashtag. But, like, I haven't been doing it too much lately because... I feel like the tables have kind of turned. I'm the person that's in, in need more often than not. But it's definitely something I would definitely like to do more. Uh, again, obviously, I'm doing it with the, with the hashtag. But it's definitely like, I mean, I've always been like that. Even as a kid, like, I've just always been the person who will just help just for helping sake you know like not necessarily trying to like oh i'm going to help you so you can help me like no you need something i think i can help you with that what what can we do and i i, I don't know i like working to benefit people you know like i feel good doing that you know what i mean like just 
you hear people like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, things really worked out because of what you did. And I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm happy I could help. You know, like I've, I've always been like that since I was a kid, you know, and I, I intend on continuing to do that, prof- you know, professional. I guess now that you kind of bring it up, I'm like, I really should think about it more of like actively because I do it very passively. It's usually like I have a friend who is looking for a specific job and I will just be like, you know, minding my own business on Twitter and then I'll see the, I'll see a job that looks like something he wants. And then I'll just send it to him, <laughs> you know, and he's like, and you know, he, he, he'll give me his reply and I, you know, and he was, and he'll be like, Oh, you know, thanks for, for, for thinking about me. It's like, Hey, no problem. You know, I just, I just want to help, you know, I've always been that person. I'm, I'm really glad you said that uh, because yeah, I've been hearing you talk about how much you, how much you get out of this in addition to, you know, everything else that, that other folks get out, you know, sparked this question in my head, which was that, you know, have you thought about doing this professionally? Because there are a lot of people who get paid very well to do this kind of stuff very poorly. And so I wonder if, if you know, someone, someone who does it well and actually has like, you know, a love for doing this kind of stuff. If you thought about like making this like your, like an actual full-time job. I, I, I just went through a hiring process, right. And we just hired an engineer over here and I would gladly engage with recruiters that I knew were doing the kind of work that, that you're trying to do as opposed to folks that are, you know, just kind of downloading whatever they can off of, you know, Indeed or other resume sites and, you know, tossing them in my face with little to no like filtering, right? I actually had never thought of it as something professional to do. Only because, I don't know, because I always viewed each, I guess, event that happened where I'm helping somebody as, hey, I helped that person. Hey, I never viewed it as like a group of, you know, I can do this professionally. I don't know. Like, it's it's never really crossed my mind, literally until you mentioned it. I don't know. Like, it would be interesting. Like, I do kind of want, I would love for my career to kind of be, to be honest, I don't even know what my, what my career should look like at this point. <laughs> you know, I just kind of, I, I'm just all over the place. I, I just like being here. <laughs> you know, I, I just literally enjoy being here. I, like I said, I haven't really thought about it professionally. Actually, literally after, after this, I'll probably give it some thought, but yeah, like, I'm going to continue doing this regardless. Even if, say, for instance, I don't think about it as doing it like as a job where I, I get paid, you know, but definitely just because I, it's something that just feels good to me and I get to help other people. And, you know, I do get the, the, the benefit of feeling good that I helped somebody else. You know, I'm going to continue to do it. But yeah, I, I, I never even thought of it as like something that you make money off of, you know, but yeah. <laughs> A lot of people super do. <laughs> I can't, I, I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> A lot of people super do. And it is my experience that very, very few of them are worth what you end up paying them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand. You were talking about, you know, connecting with other organizations on Twitter around hiring, and it made me think about Diversify Tech. Uh, we had the founder of Kunchi on the show 
last year, I think it was. And, and, you know, she's been doing fantastic work over there. And that was, that was the first, you know, organization that came to mind when you, when you were talking about reaching out. So they do good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I was definitely thinking about, about reaching out to them, you know, especially because they do a lot of work on Twitter specifically. So like right now, the way I think about it, the hashtag obviously lives on Twitter, but it's like mainly focused for the Twitter community, like only because at the time I was just like, hey, people on Twitter are making, are, are posting these things, you know, I should put, I should make some space to put all of these things on Twitter. Obviously, it doesn't necessarily have to be, it could end up being an entire organization, you know, like an entire company or something like that, but yeah, specifically because they, they do so much work on Twitter already, I, I definitely want to reach out to them. That's cool. So, yeah, I kind of want to go back to the thing we were talking about with reading your bio about comparing esports to software engineering. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so it's been something that I've been thinking about for a while. So... I say esports athlete, I don't want to say professionally, but I compete playing fighting games. I've been doing that for about 11 years now. Pretty much the way I view it is when Street Fighter 4 officially released on consoles, which was like, I think February 9th, or it was sometime in February 2009. That's when I kind of view my East, quote unquote esports career starting because like i've been playing fighting games because of that and I, I played fighting games a lot longer before that but like it's when i started taking them seriously and competitively during that time i was in school for software engineering at nova southeastern university and what i had found and i especially kind of feel this now what i have found is my abilities as a software engineer and as a competitive fighting game player tend to complement each other. Like, I haven't had, like, I don't want to say official, but I haven't, like, sat down and kind of wrote this out or have, like, a thesis. But I find uh, there's a lot of comparison to fighting games and to making software. So much so that, like, I've been, I've been playing fighting games for a while. And I would consider myself, if we're going to use the same terminology as, as software engineering, I consider myself a senior fighting game player, you know? <laughs> Love right? it. And, and as funny as it is, it's like when I have conversations about people and uh, with people and what they would consider a senior software engineer, it's like I do more or less the same things in fighting games you know like for instance uh, a, a question of tooling and i mean you, you can definitely kind of chime in because i'm not going to pretend that i'm the most knowledgeable on on the industry especially from like actual experience standpoint but like from my understanding for for a senior engineer they understand various tools they understand when to use them what situations to use them in when not to use them like how to tie things together, you know, like teaching other people how to do these things. They kind of advocate for their project. Like that's a little bit out of the fighting game. You know, well, I guess kind not not really, but I guess the thing is, is like that same thought process, 
you know, the using the various tooling is how I would, I lit- I'm looking literally back at my system just to kind of think, <laughs> but it's how I kind of play fighting games at this point. Like I have tooling in my head, like for instance, you know, I'll be playing a match against a type of player and I'm like, okay, this type of player is so on and so forth. This generally works on this type of player. So let me apply this. And so, okay, it's working, you know, or, oh, it's not working. All right, let me make some adjustments here. And I just feel like it's like the same type of, I, I, I can't speak directly on that, but it feels so much like the same type of decisions except with software tools, you know? It's like, when do you use M- uh, MySQL? When do you use Mongo? You know, obviously, you're, you don't have an opponent, you know? Like, you could kind of con- make a construct that of what an opponent is if you want to keep that same type of thought process. But, you know, like, you use tools for specific situations and then you make adjustments based on uh, based on the way the situation changes, maybe based on features that the user wants or based on what you've been finding has been successful or you want to maybe add, add a feature or so on and so on. And I just feel like the thought process is similar. Even the way you use like basic tools, like, you know, like in, in, in programming, you know, variables, functions and so on and so forth and how you don't even necessarily think about them, but you obviously use them because you have to. And, you know, you do the same thing with fighting games. In fighting games, like our primitives is like we call them normals, whereas you literally press the button and you do nothing else and an attack comes out. You know what I mean? And so you can view them as primitives for I guess programming fighting games, I, I don't have a better, th- a better term to make the comparison, but I, I don't know. It's like for me as a fighting game player and as a software engineer, I feel like there's a huge comparison and like I'm still growing as a software engineer, but I'm actually getting to the point where I'm trying to look at my fighting game career or my growth in fighting games and try to compare them to my growth in software engineering and see where like, oh, where did I have issues here and how did I solve them? You know, but, but that's just kind of like my thing, you know, like I, I just feel like there's a comparison there that I definitely would like to explore a lot more, especially since obviously I'm in both industries, you know what I mean? But yeah, like that's kind of why I, I, I make that comparison. Yeah, you know, I was thinking you, you could think of it like, okay, the opponent is a write-heavy database load that needs to scale 10x, and we're going to attack it with sharded Mongo and RabbitMQ. <laughs> right, and then how does that work, right? Because it's it's about the feedback, right? It's the same yeah. thing in, in, in fighting games. It's It's about the feedback. It's I don't want to say it's more important in fighting games, but the thing is, a lot of people in fighting games, they have their strategy and they, they, they use it and it either works or it doesn't work. And they, they live and die by the strategy. But a lot of the times, it's you start with one thing because, you know, that's what you know, and then you get feedback 
from the opponent. You know what I mean? And you're generally trying to make the feedback favorable for you, but at the end of the day, it's just you leveraging the feedback from the opponent. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing. In in fact, it's extremely stressed in software engineering that you do get feedback from your users, you know, or get feedback from wherever, you know, from either directly from your users or say, for instance, there's some issue with your implementation, you have logs and so on and so forth. So it's like, what do you do with all of this information? You know, and I just, like, like I said, I just feel like there is a comparison there that is really interesting. Again, I don't necessarily have this like as like a thesis or anything. It's something I definitely want to, I, I've been saying this a lot, something I definitely want to explore, but like, it's just really interesting to me. You know, I still play fighting games. It's been years. I played two different Street Fighters and I've used the same mindset and I still have the same comparisons. I feel like there's something there that's worth exploring. Yeah, man. Just like what you were, what you were saying, right? Mike Tyson had a famous quote. This, uh, you know, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, that's what you're talking about exactly, right? With the, with the fighting games and, you know, and what, uh, John was talking about with, with the, you know, uh, your, your, your right heavy database load, right? An application. Yeah. I, I come from the, uh, technical operations world, right? Where we absolutely view all kinds of things in, uh, adversarial terms, right? <laughs> you know, uh, everything from, you know, malicious users to external and internal like systems to on our, on our very worst days, other developers and engineers. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it is through no fault, right? But it's, you know, it's some, you have to, you have to be careful to make sure that someone can't accidentally do something bad to like a production database because no one's perfect and everyone makes mistakes. And kind of going back to what you were saying about being, you know, like the, the drawing the connections between being a software engineer and a software or, or, or a senior engineer and a, a senior, you know, fighting game <laughs> expert, right? Uh, which I love. I love that idea. Um, in both cases, right? You build up this experience, this like learned experience over, over time, right? To where you, you know, you, you learn the reason that I don't want you to have production database access isn't because I want to keep things away from you. It's because I, because nobody's perfect and I'm not perfect, which is why I don't have it either. It's too easy to make these kinds of mistakes, but you have to balance that with your ability to actually get your job done. Like, don't tell me I can't have data, you know, database access when I need database access to, to get this stuff done, right? And I'm, I imagine this is this, the same way uh, in fighting games, right? Like, you know, you have to, <laughs> you want to win, right? So you have, you have to do stuff. You can't just sit there crouching in the back the right. whole time waiting. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm literally trying to formulate a scenario, but trying to formulate it in a way where I can actually explain it without using terminology and just going over everybody's head. So, like, a similar situation would be, you know, in in fighting games is that you would play a specific range so that you can go in and out of the opponent's range, but they they can't attack you, right? Mm -hmm. And the only other thing that they could do is, I, I don't know if this is actually a good scenario, the only other thing that they could do is jump, and in essence... Or, or jump at you. And mm-hmm. so you're holding this range to force these two 
options, you know, like it's yeah. not like in your in your scenario, it's more like of a oh, this is to make sure that things don't happen, you know, bad things don't happen, like in the, the in the project. Like this is more like okay, I know that if I'm too close, they can do more or less anything they want to me, you know. So I'm going to hold this range so that they can't, and then I'm just going to leave them with these two options that I can kind of control this is not necessarily yeah <laughs> no it's no it's 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 100 perfect man it's the same it's the same exact idea of me giving you production database access but i only give it to you with a read-only user right, right. or with, cert- with certain like cpu quotas or something like that right mm-hmm. and so i'm i'm making sure that what, what you can do is constrained in ways like you said that i can control mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and it's and it's not only just to be defensive, it's to make sure that you get, I don't know, the most positive outcome of the situation, right? right Which in the fighting right. game is to win, right? Right, 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 right. Like, it, and, in, and in my case, it's to not get paged in the middle of the night. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, yes, like in, in my scenario, I guess in my scenario, in my in fighting games, the goal is to one, to, uh, to I, the whole thing is to generally avoid getting hit. But if you can get hit, you at least know where and you can deal with it. And this is more from a defensive scenario. I can come up with offensive scenarios too. I just was like trying to keep it in line with the, the, sure. same, the same thought process. But it's like I I'm personally have not been in that situation that you described in terms of a production database. But the fact that I could come up with a scenario that is similar to something you describe and they're completely well i don't want to say obviously it's not completely but it's different like realms you know Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's just something interesting to me and then again obviously i'm still learning but i'm not learning as i'm more of an expert in this thing so i think that using my knowledge here to kind of make the comparison to what I would say need to learn or need to understand or just how to kind of approach a problem. I don't know. It's, 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 it's all jumbled in my head, but it's just, it's just fun. You know, it's just like, it's just something fun that I want to explore more. I've yeah, been I think explore more a lot. It make a great series of blog posts. Yes, yes, yes. I've been thinking of that or making videos because then, especially since fighting games is a very visual thing, Mm. you know, I've been streaming recently. So it's just like I can actually play the game and then maybe I can make a video on on the game a little bit and then make make some comparisons to like basic ideas in software development it's something that i've i really wanted to play with very recently especially because i still play the game and i and i enjoy it but sometimes it's kind of frustrating because you know internet the internet is internet <laughs> right but yeah it's you know like it's something i just want to i want to explore it's something just it's really fun for me so what are you, what are you playing right now specifically um, what are you what are you competing in so i play street fighter 5 I don't compete too much anymore, mainly just because there aren't as many active communities. So I live in Jamaica and there aren't that many communities, not necessarily for esports in general, but specifically for Street Fighter. So I still watch a lot of events on Twitch and I watch a lot of, of match videos on YouTube, 
But, you know, I, I, I'll play the, the game here and there. And then obviously, I'm still trying to grow as an engineer. And so I spend a lot of time doing that. But that, I, I would say, Street Fighter V. There are a few other fighting games that are out that I'm interested in. Like, Street Fighter V is kind of, it's being kind of phased out. Eventually, the, a new version of that game will come out. And for Street Fighter specifically, a lot of the times when they release a new game, it's fairly different from the previous one. So you kind of have to, you take your fundamental tools and then you build on that with what the game gives you. But that's kind of like what I'm playing right now. I'm, I, I, when I, when I say I'm a, a fighting game player, I, I mainly play Street Fighter. There's some people who play a variety of fighting games. And like, it's extremely difficult because a lot of fighting games are very different. Like the intricate decisions that you make are very different. Like just how you approach the, the opponent is very different. But yeah, that's mainly what I've been focusing on for right now. I'm hoping to kind of get back into it once things settle down a little bit more. You know, obviously the pandemic, you know, put a damper on all manner of physical events. So, like, once we were able to kind of get back together when it's more safe, you know, I'm really hoping to kind of take part in that more. Yeah, that was going to be my my next question was, you know, how many of these competitions happen online versus having to, like, have to be in person because of, you know, like, response times and refresh rates. And I, I've known a couple of people throughout my life who do this do this kind of competitive gaming, right? And the, the idea of, like, trying to do it over the internet would just like make them gasp be like oh never never <laughs> right right it's gotten significantly better than 10 years prior 10 years prior it was i won't say it was a nightmare but it was pretty close <laughs> you know it's gotten better and i'm not going to pretend that at the very least the game that i play street fighter 5 is is perfect there are other fighting games where they've made significant strides in making like the online experience better. Uh, funny enough, there's a project that recently, and when I mean recently, within the last two years, got open source called GGPO. It stands for Good Game Peace Out. It means, it means absolutely nothing to nobody. Everybody just kind of uses GGPO. But the creator is somebody who used to run the largest fighting game event. He's more of an advisory person now, but he used to run the largest fighting game event in the world. And he created, they call it netcode. Um, it's like an unofficial term for just how just the network works in terms of dealing with multiple players. But he created a system where you generally, when you have two video games, or I don't want to say generally, but for the most part, a lot of video games would try to keep the game as synced as possible. So if one of the two systems, in fighting games, usually two systems, if one of the two systems went out of sync, then the other one would immediately stop what it's doing and try to sync up with the other system. So this person, I don't remember his name. He's like, he has, he has a twin brother. They call him, the, we call him the Cannon Brothers. I don't remember which one did it. <laughs> Either way, like, he created a system where the, the idea was instead of keeping both systems synced all the time, like making that the main thing that the network does, is we'll have both video feeds play on their own. We still would do some syncing here and there, 
But what we will do is just ensure that, how do I describe it? You would have, like, say, for instance, you would have the one video feed being on specifically on, on a specific frame. And so for people who don't know anything about video is that to get video, you just literally redraw images, you know, over a period of time and you get motion from that. And we in fighting games use that uh, specifically to understand like how fast things are, you know, what are our options and so on and so forth. So in fighting games, it's generally like 60 frames per second right, that we use, right? Say, for instance, of the video feed for one device is on frame two, you know, and the video feed for another device is on frame three. Like the devices are out of sync, but what they will do is for the device that's ahead, they will say, okay, this is what happened from the device behind, and they call it rollback, right? They call it rollback netcode, and they will roll the ahead device back to what the behind device was. And and the, the, the idea is to keep the video feeds as fluid as possible because timing is a big deal for fighting games. So he did all of this work and, you know, it became a really, really popular uh, option for Netplay, but he owned the rights to it at the time, and he had owned the rights for like 15, maybe not 15 years, but for, for a long period of time, and he recently open-sourced it. And so it's something that I'm hoping that more game developers will be able to pick up on it and use it in their fighting games, because otherwise... They would have to do one of two things. They'd obviously have to get the licensing from him and use it in their game. And, you know, he would would provide technical support on how to implement it. Or they would have to come up with their own thing. And uh, a lot of the times, funny enough, Street Fighter V is a famous example of this, is they won't get the implementation just quite right. And then it just makes it a bad experience for, for, for the players. But again, going, I guess going back to the, the conversation about online fighting games, it's been getting better. Like I said, that's one option. Like there's a company called NetherRealm Studios for people who, if you, if you remember Mortal Kombat, they're the, the company that works with, that makes Mortal Kombat. They themselves have developed, I, d- I don't know too much about it personally, but their netcode, I use air quotes, netcode is exceptional. One of the big challenges is, is playing somebody from across the United States, right? So California to New York would be a, a, a good example. That's usually a horrible time for both people. But with, with, with both GGPO and Mortal Kombat, their netcode is, is so good that that actually can happen. You know, there's another game that got released recently. I'm sorry if I'm sounding super technical, but there's another game that got released recently, uh, Guilty Gear Strive, where the netcode is so good that people are playing cross continents now with reasonable, like, it's reasonable for them. You know, whereas if you left the state or if you started playing, you know, as somebody from the East Coast to the Midwest, like, it wasn't even practical, you know, it just didn't make sense. So there's been great strides in that, like a lot of events, especially because of the pandemic, a lot of events have been online, 
as a community, we've transitioned fairly well into doing a lot of online events. Like there's a lot of, a lot of games that have been running online events and a lot of people who run very famous on, um, very famous offline events have no transition to running famous, um, of running good online events until, you know, the time that we can actually, you know, get back together. But yeah, yeah, it's been an interesting and tough time, but I feel like everybody has kind of stepped up to meet the challenge. Yeah, no, no, it looks like it's, it's, uh, it's Tony. And I don't know, I, I was just like reading through their, the, the readme for GTPO. And I mean, I, I don't know a thing about, I think about this thing, but if what it said, if, if what the readme says is true, like it is super, super cool. Yeah. It uses like input prediction and speculative execution to send inputs to like the, like the lagging side or the non-lagging side, right. To mimic what the lagging side would normally be sending over. Right. right. So the, the person who isn't lagging to them, it just feels like, like they're still playing. And then it does the same thing to the other side. So <laughs> even though you may not necessarily be playing each other, right. It still feels as though you're playing uh, and not, not hanging and, and trying to do the sync like you were describing. Right. And it, it does that until like both sides get information about the, about the specific frame and what, what, what things, what happened. And so what actually happened, right? Yeah. Until one, oh, what actually happened. And then it will like, okay, this is what actually, this is what actually both people were trying to do. You know, it's really yeah. interesting. I have the, the, well, I think, yeah, I still have the project on my, my machine. So funny enough, something that I actually really wanted to do, I'm not going to say that I, 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 I mean, cause I'm, to be quite honest, outside of like the explanation, I'm lost from a technical point on what exactly is going on, but I'm hoping somebody is maintaining the project. Like I haven't seen it, anybody do anything with it. Like maybe even mm -hmm. extending it. To be honest, I, would love to kind of go into it but it for the for the for the moment it's way out of my wheelhouse you know because i think it's really important you know what i mean and i would definitely love to see more game developers use it and if it kind of comes down to me doing something i i, I would, <laughs> you know yeah, I, I just think it's like a really important utility for fight, at the very least for fighting games, because I've heard of other people trying to, to use the same, use it for other applications as well. Like, it was obviously made specifically for fighting games, but right. like, I just want to see the project kind of continue. I want to see more people using it. And I'd like to see it. I don't know if, if it needs to be fleshed out because, it was fleshed out during its development, you know, for an extended period of time. But I just definitely would like mm -hmm. to see see it leveraged more in, in fighting games. If nothing else, for my own sake, because I hate playing bad matches. <laughs> <laughs> so I think now's the time of the show where we do what we call reflections, which is uh, basically each of us are going to talk about the things that we are going to take away from this conversation. Maybe new ideas to think about or um, just interesting points that, that have been uh, made today um, and for me it's definitely just the the tiny little act that you started with this hashtag just connecting a couple of people and just making this little thing and now it's gotten bigger and bigger and you're putting the effort into it to make it bigger and all those things but just you know people have gotten jobs based on what you've done undoubtedly like it seems inevitable even if you don't have numbers on it and and just it's such a simple act of just noticing two people that should be connected and could be connected and 
and making that, you know, simple, you know, it's a, it's a retweet or it's a little DM or whatever it is, you know, sometimes those small acts can have such con- such big consequences. So it's, it's wonderful to see that you're, that you noticed that that was a thing that could happen and that, that, that you could make happen and that you're continuing to put your, your effort into it just to make it bigger and bigger and, and be even more impactful. For me, I also go back to the beginning of the conversation when I mentioned that we had the greater than code Twitter handle and how I used to be super diligent about amplifying others and putting others content out there. And then I stopped. So I'm going to make that my back to school goal is to come back and get that done. So listeners stay tuned. There's going to be some new content on Twitter. So follow us if you aren't already and also make the effort to do the same thing. Do some simple retweets for others, you know, amplify others. If you've got an audience, somebody else might not. And just that simple act, as John said, can really help others. So be more cognizant and, and do that sometimes. Yeah, that's great. Oh, the way that Chad, you took this thing that you, that you love. You spent a lot of time, a, a fair amount of your life, devoting to you know becoming uh, an expert at fighting games, right? And then taking that and being able to draw comparisons and make connections between that and you know the, the stuff that you do every day, right? And it remind like when when you were describing these kinds of connections, right? The idea that kept that popped into my mind was there's someone or someone's out there right now who grew up playing fighting games and they're like you know like super 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 deep into it, right? Like you know talking about all the stuff that you were talking about, we're talking about net code, and talking about like hitboxes and refresh rate, like all that stuff, right? Normals and and then. At the same time, they might be trying to break into the software engineering world and they, they're an expert over here and not over here. And so hearing you talk about these connections and what, what this in the fighting world could be reflected in the software engineering world, right? Like that might be just the kind of stuff that they need to hear so they can make those connections, those same types of connections in their minds and bring that experience from one realm into another, into the professional realm. And it just got me thinking about all the different ways, you know, like you hear people often say things like, well, I don't have anything to blog about. I don't have anything to make like a, uh, a talk or a presentation at, and it's just not true. Right. <laughs> like, it's just like, there's so many people in the world who, who need this kind of content. Right. And like how John was saying, like this kind of content can make a material difference in someone's life. And then, that little bit starts like a, like a chain reaction, like a, like a snowball going down a hill, right? And, you know, you get someone who's able to start working now as a software engineer, right? Like by the end of their career, imagine all of the money and all of the stuff they've been able to do for themselves and their family and their friends and their loved ones, all because of like something that you thought was, you know, some dumb blog post or, you know, getting too technical in a podcast about stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's important and it, and it matters and, and we need it. We need more of it. Right. So like, thanks, I guess as part is my way of saying thanks for coming in and talking about this stuff, but like also encouraging other folks, my, myself included, right. Like to like not be afraid to talk about 
things that maybe, you know, are just a connection in your mind, right? Because it's not just you. It's, it's other people as well. My reflection is one about, you know, making the whole, you know, connector person like I didn't even know it was a something that could be done in a in a professional sense. Like I said, I I, I do it because you know I I'm helping people. You know, like that's the only thing that was that's my, in my mind about it is like, oh, this person needs something. I can potentially help them get you know get it done. You know, and that's all that was in my head. So just having that as a as an option is like, hey, you can actually make money doing this. You know, like. There's that. And to be honest, the validation that, you know, making the comparison to fighting games and all the technicalities of fighting games and software development as a discipline, you know, there is that connection and it's something worth talking about and, you know, bringing it to, 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 to other people and, you know, is potentially interesting and, you know, like, obviously, I'm at least half decent at being at playing fighting games, so I can talk about <laughs> that, you know, and I'm still growing as a, a as a software engineer, so it's almost like I have a foundation. It's like, I, I haven't made that journey yet, but I have I have a roadmap and I can potentially draw that same map and then put it, you know, give it to other people and may, they may be, able, may be able to potentially leverage it for themselves, which again, you know, you know, I'm helping <laughs> to be like, uh, yeah, man, that's how, that's how it works, brother. That's how it works. But yeah, that's definitely, I don't know. I'm, I'm really happy about that. Like at least that kind of validation, if, if nothing else. So thank you very much. Well, Chad, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thanks for coming on, man. It's been great. Yeah, thank you for so much for coming on the show. And thank you. thank you to our listeners. So we'll see you all next week. 